there's these assumptions that you can't move on until you perfect this exercise, or they don't know what to do to get vertical. Like if you're going to get somebody running, can you please get them vertical? Can you please test impact? Can you please train impact? And they're not doing it. And basically what's happening is they're saying, oh, go run, try it out and see how it goes. Like why send somebody out so unprepared when actually there's so much more that we can do. And that's where I think collaboration with either a running coach or a postpartum coach or fitness trainer that's familiar with return to run and and familiar with how you would train vertically, or at least against gravity for running, I think is crucial. If you don't know that part and parcel, you better get yourself learned up or partner up with, with people that can fill that gap because there's such a disconnect. And I think it's the same way in the lifting world too. Like there's such a disconnect between the tiny little stuff that you do on the mat, a huge gap to actually functionally doing things. Welcome to the Practice Brave podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Battles, a strength and conditioning coach and the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. The Practice Brave podcast brings you the relatable, trustworthy, and transparent health and fitness information you're looking for when it comes to coaching, being coached, and transitioning through the variables of motherhood and womanhood. If you're a pregnant or postpartum athlete or a coach working with this population, this show is specifically designed for you. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. I'm here again with Carrie Pagliano. She is a physical therapist and I actually interviewed her, I think it was like episode really early on, three, four, maybe. It was pretty early. I was pretty honored. (laughs) I I should know the number, but pretty early on. And we talked about what a pelvic floor physical therapy visit is like, because that seems to be such a question that is wondered and no one knows how to ask. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it's a really great insight on Carrie, but also just what that overall experience is when you need to go to pelvic floor physical therapy, what you should actually know and expect before going and during your process and after. So that's kind of a weird intro for today, but I do, I just (laughs) wanted to give some context What makes Carrie really special is she's a pelvic floor physical therapist, but she's also an athlete and she understands CrossFit and she understands running really well because she does both of those things. And today we're going to be talking about the return to running process and what that's like and the work that Carrie is doing in that space as somebody who understands pelvic health extremely well, who understands athlete brain very well, and who understands running (laughs) all of the biomechanics. We are connecting all the dots and you guys know that's what I love to do on this podcast. So Carrie, thank you for being here again. Oh, thank you so much. This is always fun when we catch up. So Carrie, brief us a little bit on yourself and then tell us why you're talking about returning to running. Like what's going on? Yeah. So I've been a runner, gosh, forever, like since seventh grade, it's always been kind of a, a, my first joy. And actually that was one of the reasons I ended up getting into CrossFit was I had hip labral injury, I guess it was about 16 years ago, running my first and my last marathon. And really the strength training was a big change for me and really helped my running out a lot postpartum. But that was one of the first big kind of athletic endeavors that I was trying to get back to after I had my kids. And um, my background as a PT, it's really interesting. My my first kind of foray into outpatient, so to speak, was orthopedics and, and sports. 
And then I ended up doing women's health or pelvic health. And then one day I realized they really just needed to be mashed up all together. And so in postpartum health, it's really interesting because you have so many women that get so focused. Um, and I say women, there's, there's men that, that are pelvic PTs as well. With postpartum, they get bogged down in the pelvic floor piece and not like the bigger picture. And then there's some that like they can totally appreciate the orthopedic aspect of it and the movement aspect. But there's even less people that understand kind of running. And um, I think that's where a lot of PTs get into trouble is we end up trying to dive into minutiae and overcomplicate things. And postpartum is complicated enough as it is, much less throw in, you know, the mechanics and all the other parts and pieces that go with running. And so for me, I really saw a gap, not only for, for clients, but for postpartum professionals that wanted to understand running more, whether it was, you know, short runs to get through a wad or, you know, moms that wanted to do like a family fun run, 5k, or, you know, there's so many more women now that are, um, you know, trying to do the much bigger races, 10ks, half marathons, marathons, triathlons, you know, these, these long trail runs. And so for me, like that's, truly, you know, where my background started. It's the mashup of literally everything that I do. So it's been fun to kind of pull out all the pieces on that and, but use the same problem solving approach. I think that there's no hard and fast rules and we just kind of can start to play with things a little bit. You know, I love these stories of I became who I needed and it sounds like really been able to connect your professional life to your personal experiences. And that makes learning so much easier. And I know from working with a lot of runners, sometimes they're told things that they just cannot connect to their actual athleticism, yep. whether it's by practitioners or other coaches, they think that they have to run and like hold their pelvic floor and basically do a kegel the whole time, or they're yes. hyper-focused on their breathing, or they're trying to like time their exhale with their impact. And like, it just becomes an overkill, right? And oh. that's a really hard thing when you're trying to optimize your running Right. And also not feel symptomatic. And sometimes if you're overdoing it, you're going to become more symptomatic, right? Exactly. And then the joy is gone. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, um, it, it, we're, we're nearing the, the one year anniversary of the pandemic. I mean, that's how most moms are staying sane right now who are runners. It's like, if they can't get out and run, you know, they don't want to be thinking about all the little minutia of it. It just pulls the joy out of it completely. And then, you know, they basically just say, screw this, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then end up, you know, having pressure or leakage or all this other stuff. So there's got to be like this sweet spot in the middle that, you know, you don't get so overwhelmed with this minutia that quite honestly, the data doesn't support, but be able to get out and do something that helps keep your sanity and, and, you know, keep your identity. Right. Exactly. I know that I started running a lot more when all of this when I do not consider myself a runner um, at all, but more for like that mental clarity piece. And then if you take that clarity away and we had complexity, well, that just sucks. Oh, it's horrible. It's, and, and, you know, I think back on a lot of the questions that, you know, when moms come in, one of their first questions is, is like what you said, like somebody told me I should keggle when I run. And then when you think about it, if you try and do a maximal pelvic floor contraction, don't let go of it and try and move. 
you can't just like you wouldn't do a maximal contraction with a lift or anything like that, or hold in your abs when you, you know, when you run, or like you said, you know, time your breath, like you can't time your breath with foot strike. Like we, we weren't built that way. That's, that's not how we were designed. Right. So. Like you might create more symptoms by doing that anyway. Like that's when I yeah. notice people tend to feel like they get the urge to pee or yep. um, they actually do pee, or maybe they experience like fecal incontinence because they're just over gripping everything. Yes. It's the age old, like the, the more you try and control, the worse it is, you know? <laughs> like Just the life lesson that keeps smacking us around, huh? Oh, that's like parenting 101. So you might as well just carry it over to, to running, right? It's literally everything at this point. <laughs> Why don't we rewind a little bit? Because a lot yeah. of people listen to this podcast are like, hey, I am the runner and I want to run through pregnancy, or maybe I, I stopped running during pregnancy, but now I'm trying to rebuild postpartum. What are some themes that you really wish every runner knew about both running during pregnancy and getting back into it postpartum? I think probably the first one, um, and this is, I think, anything activity-wise, pregnancy and postpartum, is you have to check your expectations. I mean, my first pregnancy, my son is 10 now. My plan, my master plan, which he did not pay attention to, was that I was going to run through my entire pregnancy. I was practically going to run into the delivery room. It was going to make for this awesome natural delivery. And then as soon as I was cleared, I'd be right back out with a stroller again. You know, really long story short, that didn't happen. At about 19 weeks, I had such severe pubic symphysis pain and bladder discomfort. I literally was, you know, maybe three quarters of a mile away from my house. And I called my husband. I was sitting on a rock in a parking lot next to the Potomac river. I called him up. I'm like, you have to come get me. I can't even walk. And so I think that was my first kind of slap in the face that like, Hey, you can have all these amazing plans and be in great shape. And, you know, sometimes things don't work out exactly how you plan. I mean, remember I laminated my birth plan. Please don't do that. I have control issues that I've worked through. (laughs) But I mean, the same thing postpartum and it's getting better, but still like, you know, that expectation that six weeks, go ahead and pick right up where you left off and go out for that huge run. And, you know, if you don't already have, you know, pelvic floor symptoms anyway, whether it's, you know, prolapse or leakage, one of the first things that so many moms get are, you know, shin splints or they hurt their ankle or something like that because they haven't, you know, even if they ran during a lot of their pregnancy, their base of support was completely different. Their center of mass and gravity was completely different. You know, we'd like to think that we're strong during pregnancy, but you're still a lot weaker than you were, you know, pre-pregnancy. I think there's all these assumptions and expectations that we are kind of fed a little bit. And if you, if you kind of really feed into them, it it can be a real abrupt awakening. And that's where, you know, as much as I'm sorry that I went through that, that's where I probably learned the most and probably can relate the most because, you know, how many fit pros do you see out there now that are trying to teach what they're going through? And they're like, oh, well, I did totally great. That means you will too. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So. Oh, totally. And I think there's this fear of like, if you don't do it, you're going to lose it sort of thing. Like during pregnancy or having to like stop or make some adjustments or even just doing it proactively. You know, I think Mm -hmm. if I'm in it to help somebody run 10 years from now or five years from now or one year from now, they're running during pregnancy is probably not going to like, if I'm coaching them anyway, 
It's yeah. going to be what they want. It's going to be what they need. And that's a really hard thing to navigate because it, they think of it such a long chapter, but it really is a yeah. short season in a lifetime of being a runner, making some adjustments to your running, to your to the volume of it, and then maybe even weaning off of it for a while. But really, it's uh, it's to be as protective as possible with a variable that we can control, which is our choices around exercise and like the variables of exercise, the volume, the intensity, the like the positioning, like the overall strategy of it. But that's really exactly. tough because now we're talking about runners like brain and oh, know, yeah. of like their routine. And you know, when they're postpartum, something I've heard a lot is like, well, I only went out and like ran three miles. I usually run like six or seven or something, you know, and like right. those are my longer distance runners. It's like, right, but girl, like three miles is still a still something, yeah. A volume when we're thinking about every single stride on a body that either has a baby in it or recently had a baby come out of it one way or the other and is still healing from the inside out. Even if the out looks like it's ready to return to running, uh, there's still a lot going on on the inside. And that is so hard to mentally navigate. Totally. And and I think so many of us, the brain that we walk into pregnancy and postpartum, like the, that, the athlete brain, if, if you didn't compete in college, Let's be honest, it's an outdated, you know, what my coach told me, you know, in high school track and cross country that that stuff isn't the same anymore. And that's where I've really tried to go deep into the running literature and look at, you know, some of the trends now in making sure you don't overtrain, making sure that you add load to your strengthening. And I mean, let, let's be honest, most moms who, who run don't do strengthening in addition to running when they're hardcore runners and just kind of adding that piece and making sure that they incorporate it when all they want to do is set their foot out the door to run, like giving them a mile long list of exercises, they're not going to do it. No, do it. Not at all. They don't want to. Like like when you're working with an athlete, you got to give them what they want to do with like, with like a small dose of what they need to do. So then there's actually, right. Like, and that is, I mean, <laughs> we can tell it's great because like, hello, I didn't want to do like boring diastasis rehab, just like no! this like well, rehab stuff, right? Like no one wants to do that. So how can we integrate it into what they're already doing or want to do? Well, and that's honestly where so many postpartum professionals get stuck is they're like, all right, and, and I'm going to throw PTs under the bus here. I figure, you know, after 21 years, I've earned this, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I get saucy in my old age. Um, no, I mean, when we work with clients, we're like, okay, great. You're six weeks. We need to start to build strength. And so what these professionals know is mat work and that very basic stuff that you need to move on from. But there's these assumptions that you can't move on until you perfect this exercise, or they don't know what to do to get vertical. Like if you're going to get somebody running, can you please get them vertical? Can you please test impact? Can you please train impact? And they're not doing it. And, you know, basically what's happening is they're saying, oh, go run, try it out and see how it goes. Why send somebody out so unprepared when, you know, actually there's so much more that we can do. And that's where I think collaboration with, you know, either a running coach or a postpartum uh, coach or fitness trainer that's familiar with return to run and, and familiar with how you would train vertically, um, or at least against gravity for running, I think is crucial. If you don't know that part and parcel, you better get yourself, you know, learned up or partner up with, with people that can fill that gap because 
there's such a disconnect. And I think it's the same way in the lifting world too. Like there's such a disconnect between the tiny little stuff that you do on the mat, a huge gap to actually functionally doing things. I mean, wild, right? <laughs> right, you know? <laughs> that, might be, that might just be the reason the coach. What? Um, obviously, Carrie and I are on the same page with a lot of this, like trying to connect the dots between rehab and performance while taking into account the athlete, the mindset and the behavior that drives so much of our training choices. And so Carrie, I, I think that when we're talking about running, it, it's really connecting all of those dots in a way to create buy-in. Totally. Uh, how, do, how do we do that? How do athletes buy into making some running adjustments? And then how can we have professionals buy into that as well? Well, I think the first thing is don't overcomplicate it. That's actually where the data has gone in the running literature. And I totally fell victim to this for a long time that I thought you needed to change all this minutia. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying in the beginning. Okay, well, you do this when you land or breathe here or hold this in there. And the fact of the matter is that the data is showing that the more you try and tweak it, the more likely you are to actually have more injuries. And so simplifying a cue and saying, hey, run quieter, whatever that means for you. you know, just, just something simple like that. Or, you know, cadence. Cadence, um, I think, is, is getting more kind of well-known now to, to hit a good cadence between 170 and 180. That's as easy as throwing on Spotify and getting your 170 BPM playlist and trying to hit that. Like those sorts of things are very doable, very actionable. And the data is showing that that's where we're getting some improvements in, in return to run after injury. And let's be honest, because the data isn't awesome for postpartum, a lot of us have just been kind of extrapolating and bastardizing that literature for postpartum women and how we can reduce impact. Because if my pelvic floor is having issues, if I can clean up and reduce the amount of impact that my pelvic floor has to overcome, then there isn't that much for the pelvic floor to have to do. So you don't have to have this perfect pelvic floor when you've reduced you know, the impact demands from like other parts. Clearly the stressors that are influencing. Yes, exactly. And things just as simple as balance. Women postpartum have completely different balance than they do during pregnancy and then before they had kids. And if you're like, all right, I can stand on one leg. It's totally fine. Close your eyes. Mm -hmm. Try it then. No, <laughs> you're relying so much on your vision and your, your ankle strategy and your vestibular system are off. Um, and some of that is hormonally related. And some of that is because your calves were super tight and your feet were swollen and you have a different shoe size than you did before you had a baby. So all these little things, like they're really simple, easy changes that don't require us to get in the weeds as, you know, postpartum professionals. And it also doesn't demand, you know, one more thing from these moms, because if there's one thing that I have learned being a mom the, the past 10 years is I need it to be simple down and dirty or else I'm not going to do it. Like if you give me more than two things, I'm done. Like, right. like, so it has to be something that is super easy and brainless for me to pop in as an athlete. That's going to give me results quickly because how many, you know, women have you talked to that they do exactly what they're told and they keep doing it and they keep doing it and things don't get better. And then whoever they're working with is like, oh, you're just not trying hard enough, right. which is a bunch of crap. And then you've added to that guilt and 
well, I'm never going to get this. I'm really busted. I'm broken. I'm just, you know, what am I doing here? And that's, I'm so tired of when it's our deficiencies as professionals turning into it's the client's fault or they're not trying hard enough or they need to commit to this or so on. And it's, we need to keep it simple, but we also need to be honest with ourselves as professionals that we're actually, what we're asking them to do is actually going to get results and not just diving down a rabbit hole with, with no end in sight. This week's episode is brought to you by Iconic Protein. You can use code practice brave using the link in the show notes to try it out. What I love about it is it is on-the-go protein. I don't have to mix anything. I don't need my protein shaker bottles. I don't need to put it in a blender. It is pre-made, ready to go. I just grab it from my fridge and out the door. I love it. I was like my 4 p.m. I'm kind of snacky feeling, but I don't want to have like a full meal. So I love having this for when I'm out the door to baseball or jujitsu or whatever with my kids. It's a great way to get in 20 grams of protein for only 140 calories. I personally really like the chocolate and greens flavor. So if this is something that sounds like it would resonate with you, you're trying to get extra protein in your diet, whether it's because you're postpartum or you're recovering from a surgery, or you just really need more protein to support the fitness that you're doing, I'd really recommend checking out Iconic Protein using the link in my show notes. And please be sure to use code PRACTICEBRAVE to get a discount. So what should an athlete do if they like want to run and they're like, dude, I have just been doing this, these like six exercises now that are supposed to help with my running, but I'm still peeing. Yeah. You'll feel urge. Like essentially maybe some things have gotten better, but overall, yep. but that could just be related to like timeline. Like they just, they're getting better because they're further removed postpartum. Well, uh, and, and they have prolapse symptoms, but right. it's not getting better. So then what is their next best move? Is that having a hard conversation? Is it finding a new PT? Is it both? Like, what is your opinion as somebody who has both been on the like athlete end of it and is a practicing practitioner? Yeah. I mean, I actually, I had a DM that I answered this morning from somebody. She's like, you know, I'm really starting to wonder about my PT. She's really nice, but she told me to do kegels while I'm running. I'm not getting any better. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And you know, the first step is we're not evaluating these women the way that that we should. And, you know, the tools that we have out there now are better than, you know, even just two years ago. I think it was 2019, the UK postpartum readiness, uh, readiness to run guidelines came out. And it's a good start. And so um, I actually pulled together it was that and some other return to run after um, injury and kind of tweaked it for, for impact in postpartum to just look at everything from, you know, single leg stance, impact, balance, general strength. And you just got to get a baseline to where to start. And if, if you're a mom and those things haven't been checked, so not just your pelvic floor, and, and that's where, you know, I, I feel like I've learned a ton during COVID because I've worked with a ton of women 100% virtually and have gotten them back without doing any sort of internal pelvic floor exam. There's so much you can tell from symptoms and presentation and running them through this screen and seeing what comes up. Like if you're not testing impact, how are you expecting to understand their symptoms at all? So if, if you're a mom and the person that you're working with hasn't at least started there, you know, one of two things, because I thoroughly believe that our moms are going to be what changes 
how we handle postpartum care. I don't think it's going to come from the medical profession, to be honest with you. Um, If, if you've got kahunas enough to do it, you know, go to your, your provider and be like, Hey, this is something that I found. And actually this was the conversation I had this morning. She's, she was so funny. She's like, isn't it weird for me to take this to my PT and be like, Hey, I saw this thing on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, no, I've been there. (laughs) But again, like if you feel like that they would be open enough to understanding this, we might be kind of pulling another partner into the revolution at this point. If you're getting somebody that says, no, my way is right. Stop looking at that. It makes no sense. Then you really have a window into what's going on that they're making it about them and not about you. So, you know, you have to advocate for yourself. But again, I do believe that moms are doing the research and coming to people with ideas and it's up to us as providers, whether or not we're going to be open enough to change how we do things, even if it might damage our ego a little bit, you know? Right. Well, and, and I do think that we have crammed it down women's throats to advocate for yourself, especially I'd say like the last five to 10 years, we've just seen so many more people saying like, advocate for yourself. Comment is not normal. And like all those sentiments like thrown around or whatever um, in terms of their care during pregnancy and postpartum. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's still a huge disconnect with that, but yep. there are more people that are saying like, I'm really symptomatic. I'm experiencing this or that, but then there's no, um, they feel like they just hit the end of the road with a PT who doesn't get them or a coach who just gives them generalized advice. Again, I know that like, that's literally why the coach course exists, Yeah, but when they're in it, it can be really hard to oh, it's awful. not want to like hurt people's feelings when they're like, Hey, this isn't helping me anymore. So I do yeah. think another component of advocating for yourself is also like learning what, like really taking an intake on your body. Like what is your symptom threshold? Is it when you get to a mile that you're like, I feel like I need to pee right now. Or like okay. what, when do your pop symptoms become more symptomatic? Is it around ovulation? Is it around your period? When is this happening? And then what can we do? Go to your PT with that kind of data and help them connect the dots even more. So it's not just advocating for yourself by doing Facebook group deep dives and following this person, what they said they did. It's really taking an inventory of your own body and then being able to present that information to your PT. Will a great (laughs) PT tell you to do those exact things? They freaking should. But if that's like another angle that I think we as women and then you and I as like practitioner and coach can collectively say, if you're missing this piece from your practitioner, then you bring them those pieces and have them help you put it together. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's also, uh, you know, it brings up a good point. I, I, it was about a year ago, I think, um, I think it was Haley Shevner. She posted something about, you don't have to see a PT. And I reached out and I was like, you know, I know you're on the PT train, but wait, where are you going with this? And I think it was, we had a great chat about it. And she's like, what if you've gone to PT and you're not getting what you need and you think that is it and there is no more. And I'm like, wow, that's a very profound statement. And so that's where I think, again, kind of the more you can understand about your symptoms, looking for patterns, kind of just generally understanding your symptoms but then also understanding that there are so many people that can help with this. I've been such a huge fan of any pregnant postpartum athleticism coach because I know that that teamwork is taught and understood 
And it's, you know, the more people we can get on that team helping across the board, I think it just, it, it can't help but benefit the client and for the, the, the mom to feel supported and heard. And if they don't have, and, and again, that's where I think COVID has been a blessing in some ways is that idea that you needed to see somebody in person, whether it be a PT or a coach or a trainer, I think that's out the window at this point. Like there's so much that we can do if you approach that client with a systematic approach that you're understanding and kind of getting everything out on the table, understanding what's going on with them, understanding their symptoms, but then everybody has a clear map forward and they have like that therapeutic alliance where you're like, hey, we know where we're going you feel comfortable playing with things, coming back to me, we talk it over and then we keep moving forward together. Yeah. Um, that's really how I, I hope we can have a conversation, you know, a couple years from now and that, that becomes more standard of care. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's, I, we've come so far and I can't like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so freaking great. Like we've just come so far, even like within the last five to 10 years, yeah. um, so many pieces have been moving forward and it's great, but I know that there's still a lot of people that are listening, just feeling like brand new in the trenches. There's still like that sentiment of, I wish I would have known, or I wish I would have said this, or I wish I would have asked that. Like that sentiment yeah. is still so strong. And I'm like, God, but we are saying that it is happening. Like it is like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, imagine no, people beat themselves up over this. And that that's why I've, I've been so open about kind of my story. And I'm finding that it's more common that actually so many people are going into postpartum um, kind of fitness professions and postpartum PT because they thought that they would be able to fix it and handle it and were sorely mistaken. And then you're left confused and then you don't know where to go from there. And you just don't want somebody else to have to deal with that. No one should be put in that scenario. I know. I know. So, so tell us like Carrie, you have a couple courses now, which is awesome. I mean, I love that you've been able to truly pivot, not just your, your practice so that you have offerings for athletes and coaches. So tell us what you have. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, like I, I'm a one woman show in my private practice and I, you know, I always wanted to make sure that I could make it more accessible. Like you shouldn't just have to live in Arlington, Virginia to get to hang out with me. Not only, you know, as, as a mom, but also as a postpartum professional and, my background also too, one of my other 17,000 hats is I used to run a women's health residency um, and establish the curriculum around the residency at Georgetown University Hospital years ago. And then also I'm adjunct uh, at a couple local universities. So I totally love educating other professionals and you know just making sure people have the tools that they need because that it's got to be more simple. Like the minutia approach, I, I can't deal with. So let's make it simple. Let's make it actionable. So um, in November, we ran our first cohort of um, a mom facing, we did the real mom's guide to postpartum return to run, which was super awesome. And I mean, you know me, I'm pretty straightforward. I was like, you know what, we're just going to cut the crap and just be real straightforward about how this is going to go and be realistic about it. And I actually had some great interest from um, some coaches and trainers and, and PTs that were like, hey, I, I want to get in on this too. So the Real Mom's Guide to Postpartum Return to Run Pro Edition is actually coming up in uh, March. I'm super excited about that. It really kind of hits all the people that I love helping, not only the, the professionals that I'm super blessed to work with, but all the moms that you know I've, I've been super lucky to work with you know, for so long. 
Yeah, that's great. It's I love obviously. I have a little bit of a bias here, but I'm <laughs> being able to offer to both audiences because yeah, I mean it's like we we get the buy-in by working with the athletes, by working yep. with the people that you know you're treating or seeing and the experience that you've had there. So if you're a mom listening to this and you want to understand how to return to running, that sounds like it's a really great resource for guiding that process. And then if you're a professional and you are kind of like, hi, I have a lot of runners and I'm not seeing progress with them. Carrie is covering the spectrum of considerations here for a population that has both like runner's brain, with his, which is like athlete's brain, but almost like exponentially different, like just almost like heightened, right? <laughs> like Exactly. One more, exactly. One, mile, one more, I got to like finish on an even number or like just that intensity run through the pain. And when you're postpartum, there's just a lot of different variables there that we have to navigate both within ourselves and then know what our clients are up against. So Carrie, where can people find out more about you and about your programs? So the easiest way to, to find me and keep up with me is on uh, Instagram. So it's just at Carrie Pagliano. There's stuff popping up on my website from time to time. It's carriepagliano.com. And then the courses and all that stuff is over on course.carriepagliano.com. So trying to make it simple. Yeah. That's how I go. <laughs> well, we will link those resources in the show notes for you guys to learn more. But if you're listening to this, I just want you to know there is hope for yourself and coaches, practitioners, there is so much to be learned in regard to helping somebody who wants to run. While there's so much carryover between the work that I do and you know, into coaching and all different forms of movement, running is kind of its own special beast. And it's yeah. great that we have the specificity of like, we have these principles, right? That are so great that we can apply to pregnancy and postpartum and this overall approach to this season in life as it relates to fitness. But making it very specific to the sport or the task at hand is really the key to making progress and to get around those roadblocks that so many of us experienced in just different ways, different symptoms, different goals, and struggles. So Carrie, thank you for being such a great resource for both populations. Oh, thank you. It's always so much fun to hang out with you. Always. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your knowledge and guys, check her out. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you are a postpartum athlete and you're really trying to figure out what next, what does my return to fitness look like? What do I do about my core, my pelvic floor? How do I get back into the movements I want to do in a way that I feel really confident about? I have you covered because I know exactly what it's like to be where you are as a coach, as an athlete, and as a mom. So I want you to download six exercises for the first six weeks postpartum. It's a free resource and it just goes over everything that I think is really important to take into consideration during those early weeks postpartum. Now, if you're ready to begin more of an exercise program, say you've been cleared by your doctor or midwife, I have a eight week postpartum athlete training program, which acts as the perfect entry back into fitness, into the gym, into the kind of movement that you want to do where it's still respecting the changes your body has gone through and how your baby was delivered, but it really helps connect your rehab into the kind of fitness that you want to do in a way that's relatable and fun and exactly what your body needs right now on behalf of your long-term function and performance.